Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. Parking at SFO is easy when you book online. You can choose dates and times in advance and secure the best rates to make your departure stress-free. Learn more at flysfo.com parking. Support for KQED Podcasts comes from Star One Credit Union, now offering real-time money movement with instant pay. Make transfers and payments instantly between financial institutions, online or through Star One's mobile app. Star One Credit Union, in your best interest. From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, this is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. More than a third of U.S. moviegoers say they consult Rotten Tomatoes before seeing a film. The movie review site's certified fresh rating can make a small film without a huge star, or it can break a big-budget movie with a rating of rotten. It's been called over its 25-year history Hollywood's most influential and most feared website, and it was invented in the San Francisco Bay Area. This hour, we'll meet the three UC Berkeley students who came up with the idea of rating a film based on a tomato's decomposition and hear what they think of its impact nearly two decades after they left the company. Join us. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. 25 years ago, three UC Berkeley students started the website that's now an undisputed pillar in movie consumption and marketing, Rotten Tomatoes, the review site that aggregates both critics' opinions and audiences to give films a fresh or rotten rating, has been described as having Hollywood in its grip. But as is so often the case, it has a humble origin story. And this one includes the dot-com boom and bust and a love of Jackie Chan movies. This hour, we meet the founders and hear from you. Have you used the tomato meter to decide whether to see a film? Joining me first today is Sen Duong, who initially dreamed up Rotten Tomatoes. Sen, welcome to Forum. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So tell me, what does Jackie Chan have to do with the genesis of Rotten Tomatoes? Well, I, um, I'm obviously a huge Jackie Chan fan. Um, and uh, when I went to uh, Berkeley, I um, introduced uh, Jackie Chan movies to uh, my college friends, uh, Patrick Lee and Stephen Wong. Um, and at the time, uh, Jackie Chan was making his crossover into Hollywood. Um, so I was really interested in seeing how uh, people in the U.S. would receive him. And so whenever one of his Hong Kong movies uh, are imported into the U.S., um, I would, you know, go, um, before the internet, I would go to, um, I would go to my uh, local magazine and bookstore. Um, at the time, there was like a, there was a, a place called Tower, Tower Records. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I would go there and they would have a magazine whack and they would have a newspaper whack with the top newspapers in the U.S. And I would go through the newspapers and go through their movie section and read the reviews. Um, and of course, uh, two years later, there's a, a thing called the Internet. <laughs> and uh, so now I can start uh, finding his reviews on the Internet. And 
that's what I did. So whenever one of his Hong Kong movies gets uh, imported into the U.S., I would go online and see how critics receive, receive him. Um, and uh, eventually, when my when I started a company, well, when my college buddies uh, Patrick Lee and Stephen Wong started a, a internet company, they uh, they uh, invited me to join. And when I joined them, I uh, started building one <laughs> tomatoes on the side. Um, uh, when and I was hoping to uh, 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 release the new website that I was building. Uh, to coincide with the release of uh, Jackie Chan's movie at the time, Watch Hour. Um, again, because I was reading reviews on his films and uh, gathering all the reviews and critical opinions, I thought at the time, hey, you know, what if I did this for every movie? I think, you know, people who are fans of uh, films would probably, it would be, it would probably be really helpful to them. Yeah. Well, so Sen, tell me how you came up with the name Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, originally, because I was a huge Cisco uh, and Eber fan, I watched uh, their show uh, religiously on a weekly basis. I was just thinking about calling it, you know, Thumbs Up Movie or something like that. Thumbs as Up, a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as a special to them. Unfortunately, um, while I was searching for domain names, or fortunately, um, while I was searching for domain names, everything with thumbs up, thumbs down, movies, films, any of those domain names were taken. Um, and so I was thinking, uh, you know what? I don't think anyone would call their company or website Rotten Tomatoes. So I, so that's how I picked the name. And it, and in the old days of, uh, uh, plays, uh, when people go watch the play, if they don't like them, a play they would throw one tomatoes onto the stage. So I thought, hey, that's, that's a good enough uh, uh, great system for a movie. And how did you come up with a tomato meter? Um, originally, we didn't have the meter. Originally, um, I was just, uh, for every link to a review, I would have a fresh tomato or one tomato, which is just kind of a flat. Um, after a while, uh, when I started gathering more and more reviews, like it could be like hundreds of reviews per movie, I thought, you know what? It might be better to have a meter to, um, act, you know, to gather up all the fresh reviews and all the negative reviews and, and so a percentage. <laughs> well, I want to bring your two co co-founders who you've been mentioning into the conversation. Patrick Lee is founding CEO of Rotten Tomatoes. Patrick, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And Stephen Wong is founding CTO of Rotten Tomatoes. Glad to have you on as well, Stephen. Thanks so much for having us, Mina. So... I understand that while Sen is working very hard on this project called Rotten Tomatoes, he mentioned that he was working with the both of you on your computer design firm <laughs> called Design Reactor at the time. When did you start noticing uh, that Sen, Patrick, was uh, kind of having a hard time getting his work done or not, not always coming into work with, with a ton of energy? Um, I, I say it was starting almost immediately, uh, when he launched Rotten Tomatoes because he was gathering all the reviews by hand, um, and trying to get something out, you know, 
before the movie came out or right as the movie was coming out. So usually like Wednesday, Thursdays, um, he would be spending a lot of time gathering. And so he would be, you know, coming in late or calling in sick or when he came in, he'd be taking naps, things like that, since he was, I think, pulling all nighters around that time. And so around that time, yeah, we were originally, you know, hosting the site for him. But at the same time, we were worried about his productivity for the design firm. Yeah. Stephen, did you think that he had an idea that was worth all that energy or did you think of it more as just a hobby? Well, it certainly seemed like a hobby website. Uh, during the daytime, he and I uh, were really hard at work at uh, producing websites and online games for some pretty prominent customers. So uh, this was kind of a diversion. But, you know, when he started it, uh, I'm such a huge film fan, just like he is. And just like Sen, you know, when I was younger, I was watching Siskel and Ebert every weekend on on air as well. So that's something that both Sen and I really had in common. So, um, you know, there was a little tension, obviously, about having this hobby site where uh, he would kind of disappear on Thursday nights right before uh, movies would come out on Fridays. But uh, I was such a big fan from the very beginning of what he had put together. Yeah. And it was that love of movies that was a real connection for the three of you, right? And also a love of martial arts, as I understand it, Patrick? Oh, Patrick, are you there? Yes. Um, yeah. So one thing that was in common for all of us was uh, this Chinese martial arts uh, named Wushu. Um, and it was the martial arts that like Jet Li was very famous for. And uh, freshman year of college, Sen and I were actually on the same floor in the dorms. And when I was doing martial arts there uh, at the Berkeley Wushu Club, I, I brought Sen over there. And that's when we actually met Steven because he was also uh, had joined the club. Um, and I think he had moved over from Taekwondo. Uh, so we all got together and we, we met each other and hung out from uh, the martial arts club. We're talking with Patrick Lee, Stephen Wong, and Sen Duong, the, found the founders of the website Rotten Tomatoes, which has been called Hollywood's most influential and most feared website with its movie reviews. And you, our listeners, are invited to join the conversation. How do you use Rotten Tomatoes? Does the tomato meter make or break whether you see a film? What does your favorite movie get on Rotten Tomatoes? And do you agree with the rating? Or maybe there's a movie that got the rotten rating that you love and want to plug. You can tell us at 866-733-6786. You can email forum at kqd.org. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Discord. We're at KQED Forum. A listener writes on Discord, I'm really glad the story of Rotten Tomatoes is now including the names of Sen, Pat, and Steven. As somebody who worked there in the early days, I found it galling how several very long write-ups from outlets like the New York Times erased their names from the history, relegating any mention of its origins to a quick sentence about some UC Berkeley students who like Jackie Chan movies, neglecting to mention their names. All right, so Sen, when did you start to see some spikes in traffic on your beloved little website? Almost, um, almost immediately. Um, I within a few days after I launched it, um, Netscape, which was like the biggest uh, website at the time, uh, featured it on their cool site of the day, mm. um, and then Yahoo Internet Live. Um, Back then, Yahoo uh, had a magazine, and Roger Ebert uh, 
selected one tomatoes as one of his favorite sites. And, you know, of course, I'm a huge Roger Ebert fan. So <laughs> to have him mentioned it was uh, pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, the, I think the Chronicle also mentioned it. Um, USA Today also mentioned it in a, you know, a, few ways, a few weeks later. So it was almost immediate, um, yeah. which was, uh, yeah. What did the Disney movie A Bug's Life have to do with the site? Why does it get mentioned? Oh, um, uh, when uh, when A Bug's Life was released, um, we noticed that, you know, I was looking at the traffic logs and I noticed a spike in traffic. And then we, I started looking at the IP addresses and it was Fairly, we, we at our office at the time was in Emeryville. Pixel's office is also in Emeryville. So when I checked the IP address and I looked at where it is, I'm like, oh, they're really close to us. Oh, that's where Pixel is. I guess, all, you know, they were, they were all looking at the site to uh, check the, uh, the reviews. <laughs> and uh, so you are actually, I'm, I'm so surprised that all of a sudden, you know, it is getting picked up really quickly. It really speaks to, I think, a, a real appetite for a simplified way of really aggregating the, um, I don't know, the the view that people have of of movies in a way that both took into consideration the positive reviews and the negative reviews. We're talking this hour about why Rotten Tomatoes took off with its founding, Sen Duong, Patrick Lee, and Stephen Wong. And you, our listeners, are joining the conversation. We'll have more with you after the break. Stay with us. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Jackie Chan's Rush Hour, the movie that inspired the movie review site Rotten Tomatoes, turns essentially 25 this year, which is around the time that Rotten Tomatoes got started. And in that time, it has become a go-to for so many deciding what 
to watch. And we're talking with the founders of Rotten Tomatoes, Sen Duong, Patrick Lee, and Stephen Wong, and with you, our listeners. How do you use Rotten Tomatoes? Does the tomato meter make or break whether you see a film? What's a movie that got the rotten rating that you love? How do you feel about the power that Rotten Tomatoes has today? Email address is forum at kqed.org. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Discord. We're at KQED Forum. Call us at 866-733-6786. Tony on Discord writes, I love Rotten Tomatoes because it helps me filter out the really bad movies. Rob writes, Rotten Tomatoes is a fun tool, but not too useful. Knowing the critic helps. Going way back to Siskel and Ebert, I knew their preferences and quirks. One or both might dislike the movie, but I could tell if I would like it. And Elliot on Discord writes, Fresh, I absolutely love the slow burn sci-fi horror film Annihilation. It quickly became an all-time favorite of mine. One thing I really love is the pacing. The horror is very evenly paced out, but when it does come, it's absolutely terrifying. My rotten choice, and I'm so mad it's a splat, is Enemy Mine. The movie is terrific. It starts out as a seemingly trope-filled film, but it pivots into a very surprising direction for the second half. It's the best Star Trek episode that isn't in Star Trek. All right. So, Stephen, we've talked about how Rush Hour was the movie that inspired the site, but you say that it was Star Wars Episode One that was a big moment for Rotten Tomatoes. Why? Yeah, you know, if um, for those of us who were around the Bay Area at the time that Star Wars Episode One was about to release, it was just a crazy time. I recall some friends um, who had uh, recently graduated college for me. They had actually lined up for tickets in front of the Cornet Theater, the old Cornet in San Francisco, like weeks in advance to purchase tickets in advance. So there was so much anticipation for that film. And then as things were leading up to its release, the reviews that were coming out were right on that borderline to make the tomato meter wobble back and forth several times between fresh and rotten. So that was almost like perfectly made in heaven for Rotten Tomatoes because uh, fans all across the world were actually coming to the site and almost building an event unto itself to see whether the tomato meter rating would ultimately fall fresh or rotten. Um, I think it just reflects just in general that... uh, there's an entire experience that people have outside of watching the movie itself inside of the theater um, that Rotten Tomatoes helps um, power, which is uh, people just come, become so wrapped up in the movie-going experience and chatting about movies when they they leave the theater or even before they go see the movie. And hopefully um, that's the experience that Rotten Tomatoes can deliver to film fans. What do you think, Sen, was the power or... What did you think even in the moment of seeing that kind of power and anticipation for how the tomato meter was going to rate uh, Star Wars <laughs> Episode One? Um, well, I think it's, it's also, um, I think one thing with um, movies and with critics is that um, critics actually get to see the film at least a few weeks before they open. So it's usually the first you know, reaction you can get as to how, you know, how good a film is, how good or bad a film is. So, you know, this, you know, with Star Wars, everyone's like, oh, is it good? Is it bad? You know, we've been waiting all these years and, you know, it's not, it hasn't opened yet. So they kept on <laughs> coming to the site to see, you know, how 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 the film stacks up. Um, I, I think one of, that's one of the major draws is that, you know, critics see the film ahead of, see the film ahead of time um, and it's the uh, the audience um, 
only way to see well you know how is this movie worth my you know my money you know patrick you say that a lot of people actually misunderstand the tomato meter how so explain how it works yeah so basically the tomato meter showing the percentage of critics that recommend seeing the movie so if a movie is a 90 percent that means 90 percent recommended seeing the movie and 10 percent did not and so a lot of times you'll see people, what happens is they, they think that, you know, 50%, for example, is a five out of 10, but that's not exactly correct. It means that half the critics recommended seeing the movie. But a lot of times when people are, are complaining like, hey, it was 90% and I didn't like the movie. Well, I'd be like, well, yeah, you're the 10% that didn't like the movie and vice versa. If it's a very low rating, like 10% and they're like, it's 10%, but I like, I would be like, well, you're the 10% that liked the movie. And I think, think about it in terms of percentage more like percentage chance that you'll like the movie, um, it makes a lot more sense. Well, Tony writes on Discord, Rotten Tomatoes gave my favorite movie a 16% made of honor. I thought it was funny and entertaining. I watch it over and over again. With romantic comedies, the critic scores are often much lower than the audience scores. So anything in the 20s with rom-com, I would watch. Um Again, we're talking about the 25th anniversary of Rotten Tomatoes, the site that rates movies according to how a tomato decomposes. And as you sit back and relax with the movie this weekend, we want to know, listeners, will you be consulting Rotten Tomatoes? The co-founders, Sen Duong, Patrick Lee, and Stephen Wong are with us. Stephen is the founding CTO of Rotten Tomatoes. Patrick Lee is the founding CEO of Rotten Tomatoes. And Sen Duong is the creator and founding COO of Rotten Tomatoes. You can join the conversation at 866-733-6786 or by emailing forum at kqed.org or posting on our social channels, channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Discord, at KQED Forum. So when did you start to think that it was time to maybe see if you could sell the company? And as the founding CEO, Patrick, I'll go to you first on that. <laughs> Yeah, so for us, uh, first I would say for turning it into a company, um, the site launched in August 1998. We helped to host it for about a year. I got immediate notice, as Seth had mentioned. Um, and after about a year, we decided, you know, maybe this should be the business. And uh, that's when I went out, you know, raised um, funding for it. And we started running the company in January 2000, uh, the market in March 2000. We ran it for a few years, and a lot of it was just trying to survive. Um, Timing-wise, in terms of trying to sell the company, uh, we sold it in 2004. We had actually got offers a few years for that, but the offers were, you know, pennies on a dollar as far as what we had raised. And we decided, you know, if we're going to try and make it through this, we want to at least uh, make their investors, our investors, money back. Um, so we basically refused any any offer until we finally got an offer where the investors weren't losing money. Mm. So Stephen, tell me about, about those years, because it was right around the time those investments came in that there was the dot-com bust. How did you weather that? Well, you know, it wasn't easy. Um, I think we're blessed in one thing, which is, as you heard from our story, Patrick, Sen, and I, we were all classmates in Berkeley together. We had worked together on various projects, uh, even before we had left university. And then we had a company that was doing uh, website design prior to Rotten Tomatoes. That was 
uh, where uh, during that time that Sen had created Rotten Tomatoes as his hobby site. So when we decided to actually uh, form the company and then immediately after we closed that investment, literally next week, the bottom fell out of the stock market. Um, and then um, following that was even tougher. Uh, as you can recall in 2001, uh, there was unfortunately uh, 9-11 and aside from the human tragedy, it also devastated uh, a lot of companies uh, in the consumer space. We were, you know, uh, working through really hard. We had to uh, shrink the company in terms of the people working there. Uh, we went from about 20 people down to seven people at our, our smallest point. But all seven people who were there at the company, you know, um, we were, uh, for the most part, uh, classmates in college, we we had worked together in rough times before. So, uh, you know, that kind of team bond and that experience of going through tough times together really helped us to get through. But on the flip side, even with all those internal issues, I think from the outside, the website was just growing. The traffic was growing. The feature set was growing. The brand name for Rotten Tomatoes and more and more film fans finding Rotten Tomatoes as a valuable destination, that continued to grow as well. So we always held hope that we were actually delivering value to filmgoers through that whole time and, and really believed there would be light at the end of the tunnel. And so how do you feel now about you know, you did weather that very difficult period and you did end up selling it and your investors were able to make a return. But a lot has been said about the fact that like, wow, uh, you probably could have made a lot more given the fact that it had the kind of staying power that it has now. Does that bother you or not at all, Stephen? You know, I mean, life has many different paths, and I, I certainly think my life has taken a very interesting path since then. Uh, I, I I really do treasure the time I did have Rotten Tomatoes, particularly working side by side with Patrick and Sen. You know, just incidentally, I moved overseas. I, I continue to live in Asia, and at the time, I actually did another company with Patrick overseas after Rotten Tomatoes. Um, I'm just proud that all of us were able to stay friends through all those tough times. <laughs> uh, you know, like uh, San Patrick and I, we still do a, a monthly Zoom call together um, 25 years later. So we're, we still are very close to each other. And we actually did a 25th anniversary uh, for Rotten Tomatoes in uh, in Los Angeles just uh, uh, in August and almost all of our old Rotten Tomatoes compatriots and a lot of our friends and partners um, from those days also came out to help celebrate. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, that's great. And so, Sen, as the creator of the website, uh, same thing, not a lot of regrets about the sale in 2004? Um, I've never, even at the time, uh, you know, I've never seen that much money before in my life, so... <laughs> You know, I mean, it, it's not, you know, it's not like, you know, Elon Musk or anything, but, you know, it's uh, it's enough for me. And, you know, we we did a, a one startup after another without a break. Um, so I think we were all, you know, a little, probably a little bit tired and um, um, and it kind of came at the right time. It, it kind of uh, gives us some stability. We don't constantly have to, you know, worry about, you know, whether or not we can make payroll and that kind of stuff. Um, 
when you when you get purchased by a bigger company with a lot more um, uh, funding. Um, so it it, it it you know it brought the stress level down a little a bit. <laughs> Well, the listener writes, I do use Rotten Tomatoes to gather ratings on movies, but I tend to trust the audience score rather than the critics score. Sen, what is your relationship with that? Do you use it today to determine whether or not you're going to see a movie or, or check the ratings of a particular film that you care about? Oh, I, I do. Um, nowadays, I, I usually use it after I watch a movie. I would go back and read the reviews to see what um, what other people think and to see if there's something I overlook or to see different perspectives on the film. Um, the way I use it is, you know, like one of your users said, I know that, you know, romantic comedies tend to be, you know, poor, poorly reviewed. They tend to have lower scores. Uh, horror films also tend to have lower scores. So if you see, or oh, even Michael Bay films, which I like, his films <laughs> tend to have low scores. So if there's any film in that those those groups that those genre or the you know a Michael Bay film I know that if a Michael Bay film or a horror film or a romantic comedy gets like sixty percent on the tomato meter that's actually pretty high in relative terms so I would look at that and go oh okay I think this is you know worth watching or you know if you're a fan of you know, a movie star like, you know, Jackie Chan, his latest movie, Hidden Strike, I think when it was first released on Netflix, at 0% on the tomato meter. But I was a fan, so I watched it, and, you know, it was entertaining for what it was. <laughs> so I think, um, and I also, you know, look at the, if there's a, if there are films that are, you know, that get like 80 or 90% on the, on the tomato meter, I would definitely check them out. So, yeah, yeah I think each one of us have a, um, have a threshold like one of my my friends said his threshold is seventy five percent, and he's like he wouldn't watch any films below seventy five percent. And even though I recommended, you know, Hidden Strike to him, he's like, nope, that's you know, I my threshold is seventy five percent, and Hidden Strike is zero percent, and that's a huge gap. Sen, can I ask you to say a little bit more about why Jackie Chan movies were so important to you? I was so struck by when you said. Um, you were quoted as saying, if they receive him well, they'll receive us well. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's one of those things growing up, I didn't really, like, you, I didn't really notice it. But, it, you know, I don't, like, we don't see Asians as the hero at, or the star of a film much at the time. So it's, um, you know, when you... You know, as an immigrant, when you see, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Jackie Chan when I was little. Uh, you know, if I'm just wondering, hey, you know, when he was making his crossover into Hollywood, how will people in the United States accept him the same way that I accepted him? You know, or will they laugh at him? Well, they would laugh at him because he's a comedian and he makes uh, comedies. But, um, you know, it's that kind of... Um, yeah, that kind of unconscious feeling. Yeah. Well, listener Martine writes on Discord, it's almost like you need to 
Tear the tomato meter scale, especially if you know your tastes differ consistently from the majority of movie watchers. I scan ratings and then look at specific reviews from critics to see whether they liked or disliked since they're all linked there, which is why it takes us or me forever to choose a movie at our house. For me, my favorite splat is Robin Hood, Men in Tights. I can still quote fairly long sections from that movie. It was the first Mel Brooks movie I saw, and it is still my favorite. And my favorite fresh movie is Stranger Than Fiction, a delightful, funny, smart comedy that made me actually appreciate Will Ferrell as an actor. Patrick, um, uh, Sen was saying that all three of you have your own relationships to the site and the way that you use tomato, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Do you want to share what role it plays for you now? Yeah. So for me, I, you know, I'm uh, married now. I have a two-year-old daughter. And so I don't have a lot of time and, when I'm thinking about watching a movie, especially a movie in theaters, I check tomatoes. What I like to do is see what both the critics and audience say. And ideally, both of them are, are fresh and, and highly rated. Um, in their case, where I'll go in and see a movie that's rotten, I, I, maybe I look at the trailer, maybe I read about it, and I'm going to see it anyways. At least I go in with lower expectations. Um, I, I actually think the best version of something like Rotten Tomatoes would be a personalized rating um, based on your taste. And if it could figure out, say, other uh, critics, other users that have similar taste to you, and you could have a tomato meter that is as custom to you, I feel like that's that would be the best version. Um, it doesn't exist. And, uh, you know, for example, um, what Sam was saying about horror movies, you know, if someone loves a horror movie and someone hates a horror movie, why should they have the same score for them for the same horror movie? So, um, yeah, that's my thought. But yeah, I, for me, I tend to look at both ratings and aim for ones that are both fresh. <laughs> Stephen, we're coming under the uh, into a break, but is there a movie that you were convinced to see recently because Rotten Tomatoes said it was fresh? Oh yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, uh, you know, my wife's opinion probably is just as important as the tomato meter. So when she recommended watching the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, I was a little <laughs> skeptical. But then I saw the tomato meter was strongly, strongly fresh. So quickly agreed. And it turned out to be a great movie. Great film. Yeah, sounds like a good choice. We'll have more after the break with the founders of Rotten Tomatoes. Stay with us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. This is Barbara Leslie, president of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED, always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. 
How do you choose the movies you see in theaters or on streaming? Chances are in the past 25 years, you've checked Rotten Tomatoes. And today we're talking with its three co-founders, Sen Duong, founding COO of Rotten Tomatoes, the person who dreamed up the idea, Patrick Lee, founding CEO of Rotten Tomatoes, and Stephen Wong, founding CTO of Rotten Tomatoes. And we're asking your listeners to tell us how you use the tomato meter, or if there are some movies with which you would dispute the rating that the Rotten Tomatoes website gave them. We're also curious about how you feel about the power that Rotten Tomatoes has today. You can tell us by emailing forum at kqed.org or posting on our social channels on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Discord. A listener on Discord writes, to be honest, I do agree with some of the criticisms of what the site has become, but I really think Sen's original idea was incredibly innovative. So so let's get into some of the criticisms. And you've been out of the company now for more than two decades, but I am just curious how you feel about about a few of the really interesting and important aspects of Rotten Tomatoes that has emerged over the last couple of decades, one of them being the incredible power it holds. So there was a an article uh, recently, Stephen, that was um, done by, by Vulture, which essentially said that the site um, is, is so incredibly powerful that it can determine whether f- films are greenlit, it determines how they're perceived or released or, or marketed. Um, and, and there are even jobs that are designed around determining or forecasting what Rotten Tomatoes will say about it, how Rotten Tomatoes will rate it. And I'm just curious what your reaction is to that immense power. Well, I mean, you know, it, it goes to show that there's a lot of passion around movies. You know, movies is are such a a special form of of entertainment that that uh people just wrap up their identities and their their professions around it but even when we got started with rotten tomatoes in the early days um i, I recall like back then there were uh, one of the reasons i think why people began trusting rotten tomatoes is because the practice before rotten tomatoes would that was that you just open up the newspaper and you would see these random quotations saying oh this is the best action movie of all time you know just splattered across the movie ad um in the newspaper and there was actually an incident where uh, uh one of the movies the the uh movie marketer was a discovered to have just completely created a fictional movie reviewer um for that movie so it's not I don't think it's that uncommon for there to be, uh, you know, very extreme tactics that movie marketers or public relations um, companies do to do in order to promote movies. Um, they know how much people are interested in movies as a form of entertainment. They know that uh, people are very discriminating about what um, how they're going to spend their hard-earned money and spend two hours of their time inside a darkened theater. So uh, they'll go to there'll always be new and novel ways that. Uh, marketers try to get an edge um, in getting their movies more prominently known. Yeah. Well, do you worry, Sen, about criticisms that it can be sort of gamed or hacked? Um, you had some early experiences bit, with mean, this, it sounds like, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, you know, like, I'm, I'm kind of impressed that, you know, uh, that, that company, you know, went through all the effort to try to game the system. But I don't think, you know, it was only for a few independent films and there weren't that many reviews to begin with. And I also feel like um, it's a thing that not, 
you know, not just for one tomatoes, but even a source like Vulture or any other newspaper or magazine or online website, I think, you know, they, they probably have the same issues. Hey, you know, if I hire a freelance critic, you know, how, how do I know that, you know, he's not being paid to, you know, by some marketers who write this review? So I think uh, not just, you know, Rotten Tomatoes, but, all, you know, all these other sources have to, you know, uh, you know they might have to, for their integrity, they might have to uh, be a little bit uh, more secure about, hey, you know, uh, if I'm hiring a freelancer, I, I should probably make sure that that freelancer has a history of writing reviews and not just someone that, you know, these marketers have paid to write a review and, you know, and then try to sell their review to all these outlets. So I think they, you know, Vulture did brought up an important point. Um, But I don't think it's something that's really widespread. I I think, you know, that company got a little bit overzealous. um, uh, And I think, yeah, so all these outlets, Ron Tomatoes, I think, um, and all the organizations, the uh, critics organizations that Ron Tomatoes use, uh, to make sure that these critics or you know or um you know uh, they all have a history of writing reviews they're, they're all where we you know you have to write at least like a hundred reviews a year and you have to have a, a history so it's not that it's not that widespread i think you know um a few have slipped through the cracks but i think after that article i think not just one tomatoes i think all these outlets would probably be a little bit more careful about what freelancers they, they hire to write reviews. Patrick, am I right that Vulture reached out to you and what did they want to know? Yeah, one of the authors of the article had reached out to myself and tried to reach out to the members of the team. I did with them. Um, could kind of tell that uh, he was pushing around to try to have me say something negative about tomatoes increasing the diversity of critics. Um, Increasing the diversity of critics, okay. Yeah. Because typically, when you look at professional critics, they tend to be very heavily white male. And Rotten Tomatoes, I think during that time period where there are a lot of uh, users kind of going in and um, being very negative about um, more diverse films like, you know, Miss Marvel, the female Ghostbusters, Black Panther, etc. I think around that time, Rotten Tomatoes went in to try to increase the diversity of critics yeah. Uh, include more women, more minority. And I think they were trying to fish around to have me say something negative about th- doing that. Um, and But in my f- opinion, I feel like that was actually a very good thing um, because if, every, if the movies are primarily rated by uh, white male only, um, then you only kind of get one viewpoint. Whereas increasing the diversity, um, I think it makes it a lot more accurate um, in terms of... Um, could you see a movie or not? And it's determined by a wider um, pool of voices. Yeah. It's interesting hearing you talking about that because it's making me also think about, you know, the origins related to Asian American representation that, that inspired Sen so much. Um, you know, Stephen, is it easy to feel removed from sort of the present day criticisms and controversies because it's been so long since you've been involved with it? Or does some part of those do they still affect you at all in some way? Well, I'm just so proud that the brand is still strong 25 years after Senate started the website and that people still find such value of it 
even you know as the the way that people watch movies changes um we don't even i don't even know what's a movie anymore if you watch something you know that is like a six part series on netflix is that or disney plus is that considered to be a movie um those are included with a tomato meter now too so uh you know it's i've been away from the company for about 18 years now but i still feel very proud of um the fact that what we had created and um a lot of the the fundamentals like the tomato meter and the fresh and rotten rating and just the general concept they they haven't changed at all since sen created them 25 years ago and i think it's that Ooh. consistency and transparency that has helped to keep the brand strong through all this time and whether the storms like uh, what you just referenced recently um, about this this uh, minor uh, issue with the uh, uh, publicity uh, depart- departments for some 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 of the smaller movies. Sen, what is it like for you um, to see? I mean, I was just <laughs> looking at like a trailer of um, the the latest Martin Scorsese film and seeing that it said like certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> What are some of the, what's it like for you to see that? And what are some of those things that Stephen's mentioning that have lasted so long that you originally created? Like, did you come up with Certified Fresh? Um, it's debatable. It's uh, probably either me or Evan Cohen, our uh, marketing sales guy at the time, or, you know, and then Stephen and Patrick. Um, but I remember back then, you know, uh, Evan had wanted a, a label that we can use so that we can give to the uh, publicity department of these movies that they can use to promote their films because at the time they were actually really, uh, they were afraid to use a, a percentage. You know, even a 90 something with a 96%, they would be like, well, it should be a hundred percent. Why 96%? Mm. Um, so we, um, yeah, so we, they, they wanted something that's a little bit generic you know, there's no yeah. that they can just slap onto their movie and, and, and promote it. But now I can see like, hey, there are actually films that would actually use the percentage, you know, like, you know, this, uh, or I think even Mission Impossible would quote, the, it's 95% or 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. So some of those things that we thought that were issues back then aren't issues anymore. And um, it's it's great to see that how widely used it is right now, because back then it was just an idea. You know, we uh, used it on a few, it was used on a few independent films, but now it's widely used by even the, the bigger, wider releases. Um, yeah, and this, you know, and my kids, when they see it on TV, they'll come and ask me, they're like, hey, daddy, you know, they mentioned one tomatoes. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's really sweet. Um, well, let me remind listeners, you're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to caller Janet in Berkeley. Hi, Janet, you're on. Hi, thank you. Um, I just want to say I love your show. And yes, I do look at Rotten Tomatoes before I go see, see a movie. My son, who's in his 20s, taught me about Rotten, told me about Rotten Tomatoes. However, I have to say, um, I find um, skeptical of the reviews that they have of films, primarily for African-Americans, because... Oftentimes, I notice they miss the nuances and the value of the film, and so the critiques are not on spot, spot on. So I'm leery of those, and I usually defer to friends and other people that I know who've seen it. And unfortunately, sometimes my, my take on their low rating is correct. 
Um, so I, it, it, it's not always spot on when it comes to culture and, um, you know, the movie and the nuances of the movie that, you know, some of rev- the reviewers may totally have missed. Yeah. Um, so that's just okay. I think that's a very fair point. And then as you were mentioning earlier about the way that there were attempts to try to game or or review bomb the system with people um, who were trying to review bomb Black Panther or Captain Marvel or women's Ghostbusters and so on, you know, that does in fact happen and is something to be on the lookout for. Thanks for the call, Janet. Let me go next to uh, caller Winston in Oakland. Hi, Winston. Hey, Mina. <clears throat> so, Mina, a few minutes ago, maybe like 10, 15 minutes ago, you asked your listeners to say if they disagreed with any particular ratings. Well, I do. And <laughs> there's a movie that came out in 2010 directed Whoop. Winston, did we lose you there? Ruffalo oh, called... Keep going. Sorry, say Mark <clears throat> Ruffalo called Sorry, what? Okay. Shutter Island. It has a 69% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And I think it's one of the best movies I've ever seen. It's worth watching multiple times. They hide little clues in the movie that you will definitely not pick up on a first time viewing. And I think it's just such a great movie. And I don't understand how I could possibly have a 69% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. And yeah. I have nothing else to say. Thank you, Winston. A shout out from Winston for Shutter Island. Don't believe Rotten Tomatoes. Another listener writes, my favorite comedy movie, The Disaster Artist, has 91% on Rotten Tomatoes, which makes me happy. But my favorite horror movie, As Above, So Below, has 28% on Rotten Tomatoes. I loved it. And the movie genuinely got me terrified. But I guess other people didn't. (laughs) Another listener writes, I just found a new favorite horror movie that has 30% on Rotten Tomatoes. I was hesitant to watch it, but everyone on TikTok raved about how amazing it is. So happy I trusted TikTok. Noelle writes, the studios can game it and can be hacked. I know it's a quick way to evaluate films, but I would rather read a few reviews instead. Again, speaking to just the power of Rotten Tomatoes, though, I think what you're all describing in terms of just the initial impulse and innovation of this is that it would be part of the process of evaluating movies. And it has become a lot more for better and maybe for worse. Um, Tony on Discord writes, as an immigrant UC Berkeley alumni and computer science major, I wanted to thank Mina oh, for asking Sen the question about why Jackie Chan was so important to him. Go Bears. You know, I'm struck, Patrick, that you are still in movies. And I think you in that role play a role in trying to get Asian American representation in Hollywood to diversify Asian American representation in Hollywood. Am I right about that? Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's something that I felt very strongly about growing up. Um, There weren't really many role models uh, where you would see Asians in lead roles outside of maybe Bruce Lee. Um, And so just like what Sen said with Jackie Chan, you know, it was great seeing that time period where a lot of, um, actors and actresses coming over from Hong Kong, like Jet Li, Jackie Chan, Michelle Yeoh, um, and a lot of them are, are still around and, and active. Um, to see them in these lead roles in films, uh, I think one thing I realized, especially after we sold Ron Tomatoes, I went to Asia, Stephen went to Asia, was just seeing that what people think about us is reflected very heavily on what they see on screen. And the same is true about how we think about ourselves. And I think when you go to Asia and for the most part, almost everything they see, you know, stars Asians, whereas in the U.S. they tend, um, I would say pretty crazy Asians, they tended to be uh, much more roles, um, supporting roles, stereotypical roles. 
Uh, and I think just for myself, it really affected kind of how I thought about myself and I think how others viewed me. And I do think it's it's getting better. And I'm just trying to do what I can to support that and to try to have a lot more films um, that have uh, Asian leads in them. Well, the listener writes, I, I recently watched a film on Netflix called Love Again. Rotten Tomatoes review was 40% critics and 60% audience. That was exactly my takeaway. It was a terrible movie in that it was uneven, and yet I loved it. I tend to weigh audience reaction scores more highly than critics and will consider any movie audiences loved. When critics love a movie but audiences hate it, those I tend to avoid. Do you see that as a major part of the legacy, um, Sen, democratizing movie criticism? <laughs> um, yeah, I think eventually um, make people see like they, they notice the nuances, like one of your previous listeners said, African-American films in general do tend to be uh, 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 not well-weighted. Um, I noticed that too. And that's why it's great to have, you know, more African-American critics um, because they will, they will you know, have a different perspective and all that. Um, yeah, and it's kind of interesting because I think film critics and audience uh, they, you know, film critics, they watch, you know, 300 some movies a year, whether they like it or not, they have to watch them. So they would notice things that uh, your typical audience w would not because your typical uh, audience uh, would, I think on average, they say people only uh, watch, go to the theaters 12 times a year or less. So... Uh, so their taste, you know, for critics, when you watch 300 something movies a year, when you see repetitive uh, uh, storylines, they tend to be bored by them. You know, they're like, oh, here's another story about this with this and that. And I think that's probably why horror films or romantic comedies uh, tend to not do as well on the tomato meter because they all follow this some formula that critics or if you watch 300 films a year, you, you would get bored by it. Sen Duong, Patrick Lee, Stephen Wong, the co-founders of Rotten Tomatoes on their 25th anniversary. Thank you so much for joining us. And just listeners, on Wednesday, October 25th at 7, we're going to do a Discord online movie viewing of your favorite fresh or rotten films. So join us for that. It's inspired by today's show. Thanks for listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. This is Barbara Leslie, President of the Oakland Port Commission. Oakland International Airport, OAK, is proud to bring you this podcast of KQED's Forum. When you're choosing your next adventure, the smart and convenient choice is to fly the East Bay Way from OAK to destinations across the USA and Mexico. And when you return home, tune in to KQED always bringing us remarkable stories about who we are and where we live. Enjoy today's episode of Forum. I'm what you might call very good at hide-and-seek. And since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my super-secret hiding spots. So I can kill time in here by streaming my favorite... Ha! Found ya. How? You left to find my tablet on. 
Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi on the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, John Favreau here. There's no shortage of political takes in 2024, but quantity doesn't cut it. We need a better conversation about the latest biggest election of our lives. On Pod Save America, me and my co-host cut through the noise to help you figure out what matters and how you can help. Every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, Pod Save America is breaking down the political news that makes us laugh, cry, and snap our laptops in half. Expensive year for laptops. Make sure to check out new episodes of Pod Save America on your favorite podcast platform or our YouTube channel now.